Chapter Four of Vinzi, A Story of the Swiss Alps by Johanna Spiri, translated by Elizabeth P. Stork. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anita Sloma Martinez. Chapter Four: A Departure and an Arrival. Mr. Thornau, who was staying with his sick wife at the Baths of Luke, had just received two letters. One was from his daughter and one from the children's governess. Both letters expressed an urgent desire to see him as soon as possible, as the writers wished to speak to him. He felt no particular joy at the complete harmony of their wishes, because he knew that this usually resulted from a great difference of opinion. Laying the letters on his wife's bed, he said, "'They've asked me to come to them again, and it is sure to be some matter I have to settle with Miss Landrat.' don't be alarmed though for worrying might hurt you mr thornell could see that his wife was agitated as she murmured to herself i wish we had not sent the children away it is not good for them they should be here with us if you want them here alida said he you only need to say so and i'll fetch them but you know that i install them there to give you the quiet you ought to have i'll be more quiet if you bring them replied she apparently they are not very happy the governess may mean well but she is too strict which shows that she does not understand children she uses the greatest severity when it is not necessary i see that hugo grows more quiet and reserved and alida more obstinate and headstrong despite her best intentions neither of them is easy to handle as you know quite right the husband agreed alida has my temperament and being a girl needs specially good guidance nature has curiously changed things for hugo needs special care too he has inherited your temperament and delicate health yes he too needs special consideration the mother added please promise me always to treat him affectionately he will stand in such need of it especially when i am no more but for heaven's sake alida do not think of such a thing and let us never say another word about it mr thornock cried out i'll start right off to settle this new lawsuit i shall walk there because the road is charming it will take two hours but i'll probably take a carriage back mr thornock was quietly chuckling to himself as he strolled down the mountain he clearly recollected the last case he had had to arbitrate Alida, while practicing, had rather urgently banged the innocent keys to make them feel how little to her taste it was to have to spend her time with them. Miss Landrad had given her a well-earned scolding, but had unfortunately grown violently angry. Suddenly Alida had pressed both hands on her mouth to keep herself from bursting out laughing. "'Why are you laughing?' Miss Landrad had asked, still more angry." Alida shortly declared she could not tell why. On being asked three times more, she repeated the same answer. Finally, the governess absolutely commanded her to tell the truth, and she was reminded of her duty to obey. Alida knew that she must do so, and therefore she informed the questioner that her face had grown so pointed while she was scolding her that she had resembled a drawing in her natural history book she had suddenly thought her governess's name might really be miss landrat this impertinence was reported to her father but alida vigorously objected that she had not meant to be impertinent in the least 
as her father had ordered her to obey she could not do otherwise the father had really found it a rather hard case to settle mr thornell reached mrs troll's house the door was violently thrown open and alida who had spied her father came rushing out at the first moment of their greeting a whole stream of information about the event in question came pouring from her lips but the father checked her miss landrat will be heard first your turn comes next he said he kept his word and first got one version which was followed by a vivid second from his daughter alida fully described mrs troll's horrid behaviour to vinzy when she had sent him off hugo figured as witness and assured his father that vinzy was a charming-looking boy and not a common street boy by any means he boldly stated that he would much rather associate with vinzy than with mrs troll the father never doubted that his daughter's sudden enthusiasm for music had an extraordinary cause but this was not the most important point he felt that the boy who had so honestly returned his daughter's property and had been invited by her to return to the house had been treated most insultingly he felt anxious to offer some kind of reparation and decided to pay a little call on the boy and his parents and to apologize for what had happened they might give the boy a small present as a reward for returning the shawl full of joy alida offered to act as guide as vinzy had told her where he lived and how to get there they had no trouble finding Lessa's house as a slightly curving path which led across the big meadow took them there in the shortest time everything round about was quiet with the exception of peaceful cackling sounds from the farmyard the house looked most tidy the lawn was newly mowed the road was swept and the bench in the shade of the walnut tree seemed to have been polished i like the looks of this place said mr thornell glancing about with satisfaction too bad too bad he added the last words he had murmured to himself but alida had heard and interpreted them don't you mean it is too bad we don't live here papa she cried but we could easily move here as our piano is only rented vinzy could practice with me every day then i'd really enjoy it you know papa it is dreadfully stupid to learn alone that's why i gave him lessons it made him practice too he is so clever that he'll soon learn the father burst into a laugh i see the reason for the music lessons now excellent did you say your pupil was anxious to learn oh yes and he was so clever too exclaimed alida just think papa when i explained anything to him he usually understood it better than i did and afterwards was able to explain it all to me the father could not help smiling as he approached the door which was unfastened mr thornow entering the hall knocked on the first door in answer to a call from within he went into a large bright room mrs lessa was sitting near the window with some sewing and stefelli in front of her the little girl's small fingers were with difficulty holding several thick knitting needles the coarse thread was wound six times around her index finger the woman rose at once and met her visitors mr thornow introducing himself gave her to understand that he had come to express his sincere regret for what mrs troll had said to vinzy he knew that the boy had brought back alida's property and had been invited by alida to come again 
He also hoped that he and his children would be able to tell Vinzy themselves how sorry they were about Mrs. Stroll's unkind words. He wondered if he would accept some friendly attention from them in gratitude for finding the shawl. Mrs. Lessa did not know what Mrs. Stroll's words had been, for Vinzy had not repeated them. She realized what must have happened, however, and it came into her mind that Mrs. Stroll's remarks to her husband had occasioned Vinzy's immediate removal from home. He had left only that morning, and all the mother's thoughts had been engrossed by his going. Begging the gentleman to take a seat, she told him where Vinzy had been sent. Alida, rushing up to Stefelli, asked her impetuously, "'Where's your brother?' "'He has gone away,' was Stefelli's reply. "'Why are you not on the pasture? "'I thought you always stayed on the pasture till he comes back,' said Alida, "'evidently well informed on the matter. "'If you were there, you would not have to knit such a heavy stocking.' "'Vinzy has not gone for but an hour. "'He has gone for weeks and weeks. "'That's why somebody else will have to take care of the cows now.' "'But we don't know who is to attend to them yet,' Stefelli replied. "'You see, I couldn't possibly do it all alone. "'I couldn't manage them if they were all jumping around at once. "'But Mother told me that all bad things have a good side, too. "'She thought I couldn't spend my time better "'than knitting woolen stockings for Vinzy to wear when he comes home again. "'I should say that that decidedly belonged to the very worst side of all,' "'replied Alida quickly.' "'Those thick needles are hurting you, and the heavy thread is cutting into your finger. "'Won't you show me your barnyard? "'I can hear the funny little noises the chickens are making. "'Can't you come out with me?' "'Stefelli looked towards her mother, who had heard what the children were saying. "'With a nod, Stefelli was given permission, and the girls ran out. "'I am sure the boy wants to go, too,' said Mrs. Lessa, glancing towards Hugo, who had posted himself shyly behind his father's chair. "'The air would do him good.' "'Yes, Hugo, you can go and see the place,' remarked the father. "'Look how those two are running, or rather flying about. Go and run about with them.' Hugo obeyed. "'If I have understood you rightly, Mrs. Lessa,' Mr. Thornow continued the interrupted conversation, "'the boy has been sent away because he shows no interest in your fine, prosperous farm, "'and has evidently no inclination for his future life's work. "'But I cannot believe him to be a dull boy, "'for he seems to have been tremendously eager to take music lessons from my daughter. "'According to her, he showed the most extraordinary comprehension.' "'Oh, no, he is not dull,' replied Mrs. Lessa with animation. "'The trouble with him is that he has his thoughts where they ought not to be. "'If he happens to be out in the field with his father, "'and he hears the sound of a bell anywhere, "'he drops everything and pays attention to absolutely nothing else "'till no sound of it can be heard any more. "'Very often when no one else can hear anything, "'he seems to be listening to something.' "'Naturally, his father gets impatient with him. "'He thought that if Vinzy lived for a while with boys who love farm life, "'he might change and get to like it, too. "'But I don't know how it will work out,' added Mrs. Lessa with a wistful shake of the head. "'These things are so deeply rooted in Vinzy. "'When he was a baby, he would stand stock still at hearing a beautiful sound.' 
whenever he got hurt and was crying i only had to take him on my lap and sing him a song to make him happy and quiet again but my dear mrs lessa all this clearly shows that your boy has an ear for music and a real devotion to it together with natural talent mr thornow said eagerly did you never think of having his talent developed the boy and you too might reap the greatest happiness that way i do not know what the gentleman means answered mrs lessa with a questioning look what i mean your boy might be sent to a music school where they could judge his talent he could study there it takes years of course but what of that if he turns out to be a finished musician he would be happy and satisfied and you too of course that's nothing for vinzy said mrs lessa deliberately his father would not consent he would never let his only son leave home for years and years he would not let him live among strangers for such a reason and it would be altogether too uncertain a future for the boy isn't the world strange exclaimed mr thornow just look at my boy he is my only son too he only needs to say what he wants and i give it to him he may study what he pleases and it makes me happy to let him but what do you think if i ask him would you like riding horseback he answers no i'd rather not should i ask him if he wants to learn to play the violin or the piano or the flute all he says is no i'd rather not would you like to become a sailor and go far across the sea into foreign countries he always says oh no father i'd rather not and that is the answer i get every time i cannot help being envious of your son who has such a decided inclination for music mrs lessa had watched hugo for quite a while through the open window leaning against a tree he was staring indifferently before him the two girls in the meanwhile were playing tag shrieking violently whenever they were caught and then eagerly beginning again he probably is not very strong she said sympathetically he looks pale and thin he would get stronger if he could live a while on the pasture yes i suppose that would do him good replied mr thornow he never was very hardy and now he seems more frail than ever since my wife was taken ill and the boy had to be separated from her all the life seems to have gone out of him why don't you let him stay with his mother mrs lessa inquired her voice clearly showed an interest as if it were a matter of great importance to herself and as if her visitor were an old friend of hers mr thornow smiled you are a real mother mrs lessa even for children that are not your own i like that but you see my wife has been ordered a complete rest so i had to send the children away if the boy is allowed to be with his mother the girl wants to be with her too and she is by nature very noisy of course she can't help it but the mother wants her children back for she worries about them more when they are absent but i think my visit has been long enough mrs lessa said mr thornow getting up please permit me to come again for i like your home extremely mrs lessa accompanied her guest outside and called the children hugo was still leaning against the tree but when the girls came running forward he slowly followed when stefelli heard that her mother had invited mr thornow to come again she said quickly 
"'You must be sure to come, too, Alida. "'I might be up on the pasture then, "'and you could see what it is like there.' "'Alida promised to return, "'and after taking leave, "'Mr. Thornow and the children "'wandered back to Mrs. Troll's house. "'As she appeared in the doorway just then, "'Mr. Thornow immediately informed her "'that the children were leaving her in a few days.' Their mother wanted them back sooner than he had expected to take them home, but he promised her to fulfill his obligations. The chief reason for their going, though, was that he wished no one to suffer for an act of courtesy shown his children. How changed Mr. Thornow was of a sudden, Mrs. Stroll thought to herself. He had turned from her so abruptly, he who had always been so courteous and friendly. He really meant to take the children away, of course he would never bring them back, and all on account of that miserable boy across the way. It was really laughable. However, Mrs. Troll was not in a mood to laugh at all. Now, when it was too late, she would willingly have taken back the harsh words she had said to Vinzy. Just then, the carriage Mr. Thornow had ordered drove up. Alida, close at her father's side, extracted a triple promise from him that he would soon take them away. When the carriage started, she had to let him go. Lost in deep thought, Mr. Thornow drove down the mountainside. His impression of Mrs. Lessa and her household had been extremely pleasant, and he wished he had known the woman before he had placed his children elsewhere. She might have been justified in feeling deep resentment against them, as the boy had really been banished on their account, but not a trace of such feeling had she shown. He also decided to let his daughter discontinue her music study. He was sure that if she had real love for music, it would show itself in some other way. Suddenly Mr. Thornow was greeted by a wanderer going in the same direction, and in whom he recognized his table companion from the hotel. "'Oh, Mr. Delrick, what a hermit you are!' he called out, ordering his carriage to stop. "'If you refuse to get into my carriage, I shall think that my company is not good enough for you.' Mr. Delrick politely thanked him for the offer, but said that he was unwilling to give up his daily walk even for such good company. "'Good, then I'll join you,' said Mr. Thornow, jumping out of the carriage. "'I am sure what I have to say will interest you.' Mr. Delrick smiled, and the two men walked along side by side. "'Do not smile in such an incredulous way,' continued Mr. Thornow. "'Do you really intend to turn your back on society and live alone?' "'It is not quite so bad as that,' Mr. Delrick answered with a smile. "'But I don't mind admitting that I should leave the hotel if I could find a pleasant home with simple, upright people to stay in. I should enjoy nature much more there.' "'I have found the very house for you,' said Mr. Thornow triumphantly. "'That's what I was going to tell you.' He then related his experiences of the day, and described his new acquaintance, Mrs. Lessa, with great enthusiasm. The deep peace of the surroundings and the unusual order and cleanliness in the house and garden, barn and stable, would make anybody long to live there. "'Enough, Mr. Delrick,' he concluded. "'It certainly is the home for you.' I really feel very unselfish telling you this, because we shall be the losers if you leave us. But strangely enough, one cannot help doing you a favor. You win people's hearts in spite of themselves. My dear Mr. Thornow, said his companion, patting him on the shoulder, 
You are kind indeed to take pity on a poor, unpractical hermit. I feel ever so grateful to you. Your description has awakened a keen desire in me to take a look at the house. At this point, a beautiful path joined the road. Though much longer, it repaid by the very fine views to be had from several spots. As Mr. Delrick wanted to walk home that way, the friends separated, and Mr. Thornau again climbed into his carriage. When Vincennes Lessa came out of the house next day to look after his business on the farm, he noticed a stranger who was apparently seeking someone. As soon as the latter saw the farmer, he approached. "'Does this house by any chance belong to a Mr. Lessa?' he asked politely. "'Yes, sir,' was the answer. "'Do I have the honor of speaking to the owner of it?' asked the stranger. "'Yes, sir.' "'I am lucky to find you, Mr. Lessa.' I'd like to do some business with you. My name is Delric, and I came from Dresden. I am stopping in the baths of Luke, where there are too many people for my taste. As I want to stay in the neighborhood, I am looking for a quiet home to live in for a few weeks. When Mr. Thornow told me about yours, I came to see it myself. I cannot help wishing that you would take me as a boarder. "'I live here with my wife and child, and I take in no strangers,' Mr. Lesser replied curtly. "'You are right,' Mr. Delrick answered pleasantly. "'If I were in your place, I'd do the same.' Lesser could not help looking at the stranger in astonishment. "'I suppose, then, that our business is settled?' "'I am afraid so,' replied Mr. Delrick. "'But I wish you could tell me another house where I could live, "'one as much like yours as possible.' just as well situated and surrounded by such mighty trees. You have a picked estate, Mr. Lessa, and I realize that I can't expect to find such order and care anywhere else. Mr. Lessa was visibly pleased that the gentleman had eyes enough to see that his home was kept differently from many others, but his wife really merited most of the praise for the condition of the yard and garden. He could not help thinking of her sitting in the house and worrying about her boy. By now, Vinzy had probably reached his cousins on the mountain. She had hardly spoken a word all day, and he was sorry for her. It might be a good plan to take this gentleman into the house to fill her loss. She had thought before of getting a room ready for boarders, and as the stranger had made a most agreeable impression on him, he felt not at all averse to the idea of spending his free evenings with such a man. After reflecting, he answered, I can't really think of any other place, but you might go in and speak to my wife. If she should agree to take you, I won't have any objections. May I attend to my work now? With this he offered his hand in farewell. At this unexpected turn, Mr. Delrick was most happy and surprised. Holding Lessa's hand in his a moment, he asked, Do I understand you right, Mr. Lessa? Will you really be satisfied with whatever your wife decides to do? Yes, I'll be satisfied, Lessa answered before turning around. When Mr. Delrick's knocking had been answered by a response to come in, he entered the room. The child was there alone, knitting a heavy stocking at the window. Going up to Stefelli, he asked the little one to call her mother as he wanted to speak to her. Oh, she'll soon be here. "'When she heard you knocking, she went to her room because she was crying a little,' said Stefelli. "'Oh, I am sorry. Has something sad happened that your mother has to cry?' asked the stranger. 
Yes, because Vinzy has gone away for all summer, and she doesn't even know the people he is living with, Stefelli went on. Is Vinzy your brother? the gentleman asked, full of sympathy. Why did he have to go away? We don't quite know, Stefelli replied. Perhaps because Alida gave him music lessons. Oh, what a strange case, Mr. Delrick remarked with a smile. I suppose you have always been with your brother. You must miss him now that you are all alone. Yes, of course, and mother does too, and he is missed also on the pasture. We were on the pasture all day long. Father has a cowboy now, and my mother won't let me go to the pasture any more. Father said the cows won't graze and are running about as if lost. Schwarzelli wants to jump all the hedges, and when the new boy chases her, she turns about wildly and runs away frightened. I believe it, too. We have known each other so long and well, and she doesn't like a new boy who tries to rule her. She doesn't know his voice, and she doesn't feel at home at all, poor Schwarzelli. When Stefelli had gotten as far as that in her recital, the door opened and her mother entered. Mr. Delrick, going to meet her, said that he had come with her husband's permission to ask her a question, but as he had heard of her recent sorrow from her little daughter, he did not feel it right to trouble her. It is often good for us if we have to pull ourselves together. Then we have less time to brood over our troubles, Mrs. Lesser replied collectedly. It might be still better to look on our grief as if it were no grief at all. That makes it yet easier to bear. What do you think, Mrs. Lessa? said Mr. Delrick as confidentially as an old friend. Mrs. Lessa looked up in surprise. I think I understand what the gentleman means, but I hardly seem to find an answer, she replied after a pause. There is no hurry, said Mr. Delrick kindly. If you will permit me to live in your home for a few months, we might find many an hour to continue our conversation. More astonished than ever, Mrs. Lessa glanced at the stranger. A happy smile spread for a moment over her features, only to disappear as suddenly. It does not depend on me alone, sir, she said calmly. I know that my husband won't have strangers in the house. That settles the matter, I fear. Mr. Lessa and I understand each other already, said Mr. Delrick. He told me himself that he would be satisfied with whatever you decide to do. Mrs. Lessa knew not what to think. Only a short time ago her husband had positively declared that he wanted no strangers to live with him. However, the gentleman might look at the two rooms possible in order to know if they would suit him. She would then consult with her husband and send him word at the hotel. Having no intention to hurry Mrs. Lessa in her decision, Mr. Delrick agreed. Climbing the stairs, he glanced into the rooms. One had an eastern exposure, and in the other the noonday sun was shining through the windows. The branches of the old walnut trees outside were swaying in the breeze, and Mr. Delrick was immensely taken with them. If he had had his way, he would have taken possession of the rooms at once. This Mrs. Lessa could not fail to observe. "'I must say good-bye to your little daughter,' he said, going towards the door. "'We are good friends already, and I hope we can continue to be so.' Stefelli, who had been hiding behind her mother, shot forward at these words. She had taken in everything, and had followed her mother in order to find out if the gentleman liked the rooms. She was hoping that he would come to live there. 
That would give her somebody to talk to, for he had listened very attentively to everything she had told him about the pasture. Mr. Delrick, shaking her hand, begged her to lead him up to the pasture some day. At parting, Mrs. Lessa promised to send their decision to him as soon as possible, for he was anxious to know. When Vincennes Lessa returned home in the evening, the first question he asked his wife was, "'Well, what did you settle with the gentleman?' She told him about their conversation, and her having put off a decided answer until she knew what he thought about it. "'But I am quite sure, Vincennes,' she concluded, "'if this gentleman comes to live with us, he is sure to bring a blessing to our home.' "'I suppose we need not scorn it,' replied the farmer. "'You had better send him word that we expect him soon.' His wife did so with joy in her heart, and a few days ago later, Mr. Delrick moved into Mr. Lessa's house. End of chapter 4